0: Back down the shit spiral, a not so fairy tale ending. I came back from the conference and continued writing. I have no idea whether this was a memoir or a self-help book or a mix of both, but I've been writing like never before. The words flowed out of me. I was loving life. and finally felt like I had a sense of purpose. I'm here to tell my story, to share my you-are-okay-just-as-you-are message. I wrote about 25,000 words and hit up against myself, big time. I start drowning in all the self-doubt and the how. Who is going to read this shit? Who do you think you are? No one wants to read about your mediocre life. You write the bloody thing and no one will buy it anyway, and those that do will see you're a shit writer. Who's going to want to publish a book from you? You're a nobody. Nobody knows who you are. Nobody gives a shit. I've come far enough to know that voice is a bit of a lying bitch, so I thanked her for her concern and kept writing. Until I realised I had no idea how this story ends. Surely there has to be some big crescendo, some monumental event that ties everything together and I go on to live happily ever after. You know, my fairy tale ending. A not so fairy tale ending. One afternoon, I'm at the supermarket doing a grocery shop, and at the register, my card is declined. That's weird, I tell myself and the checkout chick. I grab my phone out of my bag and I tell her I'll just quickly do a transfer. Only there's a minus in front of my business account and just under the amount of groceries in my personal account. I'm mortified, embarrassed as all fuck. I ask her to take off a few of the items and pay. That brings my personal account down to single figures. What the fuck? I feel sick. How after 13 years in business have I found myself in this position? Zero dollars? Surely I'm better than that. Surely I'm savvier than that. Surely I'm smarter than that. Surely I've learned the lessons. This throws a big spanner into my writing. Suddenly it seems so frivolous. Bitch kicks in. Writing doesn't make you money. This is going to be just another one of those cash draining projects that gets you nowhere. Give up on the dream. It's bullshit. It's not going to happen for you, Carly. Get a grip. Find some cash. I go into cash flow panic mode, desperately needing a cash injection. I decide to put out some offers to my Radcaster's email list. It's coming towards the end of the year, so I figure I'll put out an irresistible offer so they can get their podcast up, ready to rock 2017. A four-part payment plan for a sub-$500 product. Surely I could get 15 or so signed up and that would inject some cash into my account over the following four months. December through February are traditionally pretty quiet for me, so this would certainly help. Only it's a total fizzer. I tell myself after six months of really pushing radcasters and not seeing any return that if I don't get 10, I'll stop feeding all my time and energy into that side of my business. When the cart closes, I have one person signed up to a four-part payment plan. What the fuck? Over the next 24 hours, I get a handful more, not enough to relieve the pressure. While I tried not to take it personally, I can't say it didn't affect me. Certainly not as bad as it had the previous times I've experienced a shit launch, but it still shook me. I collapsed into this story of mediocrity. I allowed myself to believe that I was nothing more than mediocre and I would never be anything but. At this point, I think it's really important to explain that prior to this four-part payment launch, I had run two launches back-to-back with zero sign-ups. So it felt really personal at this stage. There was nothing more I could do, so I decided to ride out the quiet period and turn my focus back to writing. That worked for like a week until payday rolled around and there wasn't enough in my account to pay me, and I knew I had car rego and insurance due around New Year's. For the next few months, I scraped by. I switched my insurance to monthly, paid six months of my rego, took out a payment plan for my quarterly tax bill. Things were hard. It was hand-to-mouth again. And I found myself really buying into the story. I heard myself say things like, I'm stealing from Peter to give to Paul. I'm really living hand to mouth right now. There's just not enough money. And I flipped and flopped between following my heart and doing the things I really felt called to do. Write my book, produce my podcast. And then, on the other side, the stuff that brought in money. I felt like I was caught on a hamster wheel. Oh, yes, I'm writing. This is great. I love it. I feel so in flow. Oh, fuck. The bank account's empty. Quick, do something. Try something. Doesn't work. Give up. And attempt to trust that things will work out. Start writing again. Feel the flow. Be happy. Big bill arrives. No money to pay it. Fuck. Panic. Put more money into driving. More traffic to radcasters. Pray for some sales. Nothing. Feel hurt and rejected and like giving up. Return to the book. Find flow. No money. Freak out. Scramble. Deflation. Trust. Write. Stop. Hustle. Reject. Rejection, right, stop. Hustle, rejection, right, stop. This goes on for a while, feeling constantly torn between doing something that really means something to me and making money. Doing what I should be doing, being the responsible adult. There's this inner conflict going on too. I mean, whatever happened to do what you love and the money will follow? Was I sold a lie? Is this all bullshit? Is it even possible? I start to doubt everything and kept on the pushing shit uphill route. It's not all shit. Some good stuff was happening too. I was starting to get invited to speak more, and I was approached to speak at an event in Melbourne. Even though I didn't have the cash at the time, I decided to do it. Surely my cash flow issues would be a thing of the past by then, and besides, if I could get just one person signed up, then it would cover my flights. So I said yes. That trip was equal parts amazing and shit. I loved speaking. I made no sales. So once again, I had invested in myself and had no return. I felt shit about that. One night, Mum, Mabel, and I were staying in the city. We spent the day exploring, and that night, I caught up with an online friend, someone who had done Radcasters. As we walked home from dinner, I noticed every doorway seemed to have someone sleeping in it. Apparently, there was a big homeless tent city that had been shut down by the council, and it meant those people had nowhere else to go but doorways they were everywhere, not something you could ignore. In practically every shop that was closed for the evening, there was someone asleep. It was so in your face. Yet my reaction was not one of pity. Walking through the street of what used to be my home city, I had a huge epiphany. If things ever got so bad for me that we were without a roof over our heads, we would survive. I would survive. For starters. I have enough people in my life that give a shit about me, that there's no way things would ever get to that point. I am loved, I am supported, even if I don't feel like it at times. But even if it did get to that point, I could make it through the night. It might not be a fun night, but I would live to see another day. This was big for me, the realisation that perhaps I am supported, perhaps I have all I need, perhaps I don't need all the stuff, the trappings perhaps I am all I need. A big learning for sure. So I guess now that I had that awareness, the universe wanted to test my resolve. Once again, my bank account hits negative figures and I decide to push Radcasters again, throw everything I have and some that I don't have at it. I pour hundreds of dollars into the launch. I will make this work. I must make this work. Only it doesn't work. And after more webinars and some discovery calls and a sales funnel and around $1,500 I didn't have, I closed the cart. Zero sign-ups. I'm pretty devoured. Around this time, I started to get some rather concerning pain in my chest. I thought maybe I was overreacting. I booked in for a massage to see if it was something muscular, but a few days later, the pain was getting worse. Friday arrived, and I started to freak the fuck out. Rather than going into the weekend wondering if I was dying of a heart attack, I rang the doctor, raced down there, and they hooked me up to an ECG. To say I was scared is a vast understatement. I was shitting myself. What if it was my heart? What if I wasn't around to watch Mabel grow up? What if this was it for me? Thankfully, my heart was good. The pain was actually anxiety. And was it any wonder... All the pressure I'd been placing on myself, all the responsibility, everything came down to me, and I was collapsing under the weight. Something had to give, or I would internally combust. I thought I'd been handling the failed launches better than before. It didn't feel quite as personal. I felt like I was taking it in my stride, but really, when I took a moment to listen, I found myself thinking, what is wrong with me? Why don't people like me? Why am I so fucking mediocre? Why does everything I touch turn to shit? When are things going to change for me? When will I get there? Will I ever get there? Now, I know it's not personal. Honestly, I do. But it sometimes does feel that way. And for me, it kind of was personal. I'd been really attached to Radcasters being the thing that took me where I wanted to go. And when it started to slow down, I started to freak out became really attached to it needing to work. And the more I needed it to work, the less it worked. And the less it worked, the more frantic I became. And the more frantic I became, the less people vibed with it. And the less people vibed with it, the more personally I took it. I felt like I was back on a hamster wheel. And my heart, it was telling me to focus on what was working for me, to shift my attention, time, and energy to what was energizing me and away from what was depleting me. My writing energizing, my podcast energizing, my Facebook group energizing, my public speaking energizing, trying to get a sales funnel for radcasters working, depleting, webinars with a carefully crafted pitch at the end, which I fucked up every time, depleting, Facebook ads to sell you my course, depleting, being on all the time, depleting, convincing you that you need a podcast, depleting, creating products around scarcity depleting. Yet I flipped and flopped between the two. I'd write and it would flow and I would feel amazing. And then I'd look at my bank account and I'd feel frantic. So I'd book in a webinar, try to sell, throw money at the problem, money I didn't have. No one would sign up and I'd be even further up cash flow shit creek. So I'd give up and go back to writing, look at the bank balance, rinse and repeat. It all felt debilitatingly mediocre. My heart was screaming for me to follow it, but I was resisting it so much that it ended in my heart physically hurting, not in the metaphorical way, but in the very real, I feel like I'm having a heart attack kind of way, in the very real, I think I'm dying kind of way. And there were signs showing me the direction, but I was giving all my attention to the should signs and not the flow signs. The week following my anxiety attack, for example, I was asked to speak at an amazing event on the Gold Coast. I was to be on a panel of three incredible women talking about moving through fear. This was the kind of stuff I wanted to be doing more of. That night was nothing short of magical. One of the best nights of my life. Sounds like a big call, right? But it's true, I loved almost every second of it. I loved how easy it felt. Zero anxiety. I loved how the words and insights just floated out of me. I was funny and wise and loving. There were moments I was covered in goosebumps, head to toe, in the flow. And afterwards, almost every single person in the room came up to thank me for being so open and honest. They told me how they loved how real and transparent I was. They told me they felt really moved by my story. I loved almost every second. Almost every second? Yeah, almost. Because there was one thing I didn't feel completely comfortable with, and that was my body, my physical appearance. I was still carrying an extra 15 kilos of baby weight and felt uncomfortable in my body. Mostly I was ashamed of how it looked. It felt fat and frumpy. And even though I knew in my bones I had something worthy of saying... And now I could see and feel the impact and power I could embody. I still felt like I needed to be different. I needed to be skinnier or younger. I've never felt like I fit in, like really fit in. You've probably already picked that up well and truly by now. I felt separate from my body, separate from my place, separate from the people around me. Who wants to hear a message from someone who clearly doesn't have their shit together because they're overweight? I've hidden from really putting myself out there in a big way because I didn't want to be judged. I didn't want to see comments about the way I looked. And let's face it, when it comes to women stepping up to be seen and heard, the comments about their weight or their hair or their clothes generally are not too far behind. Even though the night was amazing and magical, I could feel it in my bones that this, this was exactly what I was meant to be doing with my life. Yet there was still this part of me that hid away, told myself it wasn't possible to make a living just out of speaking and telling my story. Even though I'd had a taste of what was possible and what my heart was calling me to do, it still didn't miraculously mean my money issues were over. I ploughed on through. Yes, that felt amazing. Yes, you had a big impact. Yes, it feels like home. But I still felt trapped by my financial circumstances, by obligation, by duty, feeling the weight of the world on my shoulders, like I must make this work, like I must make something work. I start throwing shit at the wall, offering a bunch of different things, one-on-one sessions for podcasters, permission calls, group coaching, coaching in general, ridiculously cheap offers for transforming other people's lives, and hardly any, if any, response. Rejection, rejection, and more rejection. One day I drove in my car screaming, fuck this bullshit, I fucking deserve more than this. Nothing changed. More rejection, more cash flow issues, more rejection, more rejection. Did I say more rejection? Then I reached breaking point. I can't actually remember the specifics of what triggered this breakdown. It might have just been another day with zero traction. I'm not sure. But what I do know is that I had reached the brink and I was ready to let it go walk away from it all. As I walked along the beach, I bawled uncontrollable tears. They flowed and they flowed and they flowed. I felt every last bit of pain from the last five years from the office collective to now. I felt the rejection. I felt the mediocrity. I felt the emptiness, the loneliness, the unworthiness. It was all there, tangibly real. And I was ready to release it, move on, let myself off the hook. I told the universe out loud, I'm done. I've tried everything I thought I needed to do. I've put everything I have into this and I'm done. I wipe my hands of it. I know you owe me shit, but I want you to know that I'm walking the fuck away. I can't handle any more rejection. I can't keep going and sharing so much of myself but getting so little in return. So this is it. I'm done. You take it from here. Give me a sign that this is all worth it because right now it feels like a big bunch of bullshit and one huge ass joke at my expense. And I fucking meant it. Rewinding to that day in the car, the screaming, angry, resentful mess, I was fucking angry. But I was not ready to walk away. I was making demands, still very much attached to a certain path and a certain outcome. It was a threat, an empty threat nothing more, nothing less. I wouldn't do whatever it took. I was still very much holding on to my pride. You will make it turn out this way or else. Now I can hear exactly what the universe was trying to tell me, but on that day, screaming and threatening the universe in my car, I wasn't ready to hear it. Oh dear Carly, you poor misguided fool, have you not learnt that you have no control? You can't control the way in which you reach any destination. Let go, and this will be a whole lot easier for all of us. Oh yeah, that's not what I heard, at all, in that time and space. But on the beach, something else had shifted. Instead of me being on my knees, praying for retribution, I had reached the next level. And whatever it was that I was seeking was no longer worth it, it just wasn't. Money was currently my main pain point again and I could make money working for someone else. Sure, I had no idea what someone would pay me money to do, but I was open to whatever it was. Fuck, I'd make more stacking shelves at Woolies right now. And that would mean so much less pressure. Consistent income, less stress. Honestly, why was I giving how I made money so much power? Why was having a day job such a bad thing? What if it could give me exactly what I wanted if i just lost attachment to needing to be an entrepreneur? Potentially, if I had more coming in consistently, I could dedicate myself to my message without the pressure of it needing to support me financially, if I wanted to. Or I was equally okay with walking away from that too, from my message, from my podcast, from this book. I found myself asking myself, why do you need everything to be so big? Why do you need others' approval constantly? What if nothing ever changed? What if you never became Oprah? What if you never owned a home? What if you were never financially free? What if you never finished this book? What if you stayed exactly where you were? Would that be okay? Honestly, would that be okay? And when I got really, truly fucking honest with myself, the answer was somewhat surprising. Yes. Yes, it would be okay. Yes, I would be okay. I felt a deep sense of peace. Acceptance. Is this what they call surrender? I asked myself. That afternoon, I had two podcast interviews booked. I considered cancelling, but I decided to see them through. After these two, I'd be done. Carlosophies would be done. I'd turn my focus to getting a job, live a simple life without the pressure. The interviews were back to back. After I wrapped up the second interview, I checked my emails, and there, hidden amongst a bunch of other people's newsletters, or rather sales letters, was what I initially thought to be spam. An email from someone I'd never heard of with the subject, congratulations from PodQuest. I was intrigued enough to open the email, even if it was just someone trying to sell me podcast editing services. Thankfully, it wasn't. Hi, Carly. Thanks for getting involved in PodQuest, our search for the next podcast superstar. You have made it to the top 10. Congratulations. Check out the full top 10, including you. We will announce the winner Friday, June 2. Good luck. Holy fuckballs. What was this? I looked at the email signature and it looked legit. It was from Nova Entertainment, one of the biggest commercial radio networks in Australia. I had totally forgotten I'd even entered. I had to click through to figure out what the fuck he was going on about, but yeah, it was totally legit. Carlosophies and I were a top 10 finalist in their pod quest. Wow, this was exactly the kind of sign I'd been asking for. Loud and clear. Stick with this, Carly. It means something. It is worth something. The universe has your back. Trust, allow, keep sharing your message. I wrote a big, long Facebook post sharing the day that was, all of it, the crying, the willingness to walk away, the big announcement, and I got a huge response. The next morning, I got a message from a Facebook friend who happened to work with one of the biggest mummy bloggers going around, Constance Hall, wanting me to do some guest posts. My best friend Lisa contacted me a few days later and asked if I'd be keen to start a mastermind with her. We'd talked about doing this for a very long time, but mostly due to fear, never got it off the ground. This time we'd give it a shot, no bells and whistles, nothing that could potentially overwhelm us or stop us in our tracks, just ease, ease and flow. I set up an application on Typeform, we recorded a quick video on Skype explaining what we were doing and sent it out into the world. We'd just take one step at a time, and if we got 12 people signed up, it would go ahead. We had 34 people fill in the application form. Of those, we jumped on around 16 calls, and within the week, we had our 12 women locked in. Self-doubt was still knocking at the door, but this just all felt so easy. I knew it was something we could do really well, and I was blown away by the calibre of women who said yes. This was also a huge relief for me on the money side of things. I finally had some breathing space and I could put some of my skills and knowledge to good use. Then the opportunities just kept rolling in. I was contacted to be interviewed for a documentary called Rise for Regional and the public speaking opportunities started rolling in. I arrived at the Rise for Regional event not knowing that it would shift my whole perspective on what is possible. That night, not only was I interviewed for a documentary all about women rocking entrepreneurship in regional areas, but my mind was blown. Here were two women, with their babies, under one, both with four-year-old kids at home with their partners, road tripping up the east coast of Australia. Five events in five regional towns in five days, from Geelong to the Sunshine Coast, almost 2,000 kilometres. Their story really inspired me. I mean, it was only a few months earlier I'd shared an idea with my podcast listeners that Miko, Mabel, and I would buy a van, travel around to regional areas where I would host live events and sell this book while making a documentary of the travels. But I got totally lost in the self-doubt and the how. These women raised money via a crowdfunding campaign, then just asked for what they wanted, They literally emailed the CEO of Airbnb and asked if they'd put them up in a house for the duration of the road trip. Then they asked Audi if they'd give them a car and cover it in signage. It seemed so mind-blowing to me. What the fuck, you mean they just asked and they got what they wanted? But there was more. The woman who they were interviewing during the event was also big on asking. One night, while reading her kids a book that they loved, they asked if they could watch the movie of the book. When she looked into it, there wasn't a film made from the book, so she emailed the author and asked if they had considered selling the rights, and the author said, sure, I'll sell you the rights. She brought them and was heading to Hollywood to shop it around. I mean, why the fuck not? She made it seem so easy. Then she mentioned they were planning a big family trip, but it was going to cost too much, so they asked Netflix if they'd be interested in making a documentary of their travels because, why the fuck not? Suddenly I realised how limited my worldview was. I hadn't been asking for anything, really. I'd been keeping myself very small and safe, mainly due to fear of rejection. I mean, the fear is real, and it's real because I've been rejected so much throughout my life. I just sometimes felt like I couldn't take any more. The following day, I decided I would run that retreat that had been flowing around in the back of my mind for a decade. I would run it, even if it was just me and one other person. I'd let go of the need for it to be a huge success right off the bat. I'd put it out there and see whatever happened through. For the most part, over the past five or six years, I've had this very tangible, real, on-the-surface, raw story going on about how mediocre I was, how everything I touched turned to shit, and how others had the Midas touch. This shifted with the tears on the beach. I realised my own power. I realised the bullshit stories I'd been telling myself. I realised how I'd been waiting for the work to be done, preferably by someone else. I realised how entitled I'd been. And more than that, I really felt in my bones that I was okay. Once the tears stopped flowing, I felt a deep sense of peace. Even though, while walking through the streets of Melbourne a few months before, I understood that it was okay – That was more a theoretical understanding than a practical or embodied one. I knew it, but I didn't truly believe it. But now, now I knew that I'd be okay. I'd be okay if I had to get a day job. I'd be okay if I never owned my own home. I'd be okay if I never reached my full potential. I'd be okay if I was never rich and famous. I'd be okay if I never had a hot body. I'd be okay if nothing was to change. I'd be okay. In fact, I'd be more than okay. And with this new visceral understanding, I was free, and those around me were free. I didn't need them to provide me with anything. I didn't need to be someone else. I didn't need to have more, more, more. I didn't need to strive. I didn't need to be proving my value all the time. Deep acceptance of who I am, where I am, and what I have, and that's freedom.